You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discernment of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same spirit who allots to each one individually just as the spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free. And we are all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues, 
Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Thank you, Lisa. That's a good chapter. I have a toolbox with me today, as you can see. And I want to compare this toolbox to the church. All right, but like any, any metaphor or comparison, let's not take this too literally or dig too deep into it because it will fall apart. For example, if the toolbox is a church, it does not mean that we are all tools <laughs> in that most negative sense of the word. So please remember that. <laughs> and let's just imagine the church as this toolbox, though. So let me ask you a, a simple question to start. What do you put in a toolbox? Tools, exactly. Very simple. A toolbox is specifically designed and made to hold tools, transport them, that sort of thing. Uh, what kind of tools would you put in this toolbox here? Let's shout them out. What kind of things do you, would you put in here? A hammer, measuring tape, screwdriver, a wrench, a level, yeah. Cinnamon buns? Oh, that sounds like a great idea. All right. <laughs> Pliers, yeah. All sorts of different things, right? Generally, a toolbox this size, you know, this is my house toolbox. And so, yes, you would have a variety of tools that, you know, you, you, would, you would have for doing things around the house. You know, a hammer, definitely, you know, you know to pound nails or to pull nails. Uh, you know, a screwdriver, if you had screws to deal with. Or get a drill, that makes it easier. Um, a crescent wrench, you know, or, or a set of wrenches if you had bolts and nuts. Um, I've heard, you know, crescent wrench is a Saskatchewan socket set. It's the same thing, right? <laughs> How do you choose what tools would go in a toolbox? How would you choose? And, it, and, and generally, you know, you think about that and be like, okay, you'd probably, according to the task that you had to complete, Right? Um, if you're, you know, you're doing um, like plumbing around your house, you would have specific tools. And that would be different than if you were doing woodworking. You know, that sort of thing. There might be some overlap, but generally speaking, if you, if you have a certain job that you need to do, you would put the certain tools that you would need in there. And although um, you, you hope that you have all the tools, it is rather exciting to buy new tools. Who can agree with that? Yes, I agree. It is always good, always good to get new tools. This morning, we are getting into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so thank you so much, Lisa, for reading that for us this morning. And, and we come to a, a new topic that, that the Apostle Paul is addressing now. He's speaking to the Corinthian church, and he says this in verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. With this shift in topic, I think we can safely assume that Paul is probably responding to something or to, you know, to a letter that perhaps the Corinthian church had sent him, and he is responding to them um, with, with what they had asked him about. 
They'd ask him a question and he wants to respond to it, make sure that they are in well informed, as it says. And for the next three weeks, we'll be, we'll be weighing our anchor and we'll be diving into chapter 12. All right? uh, but throughout chapters 12, 13, and 14, the three next chapters, Paul addresses issues and concerns about spiritual gifts that this church has and so that the church can act appropriately. We must remember that the people there in Corinth were, were, that were now followers of Christ weren't always followers of Christ. And at one time, they were pagans. All right? they, were, they were following idols. They were following mute and, and, and uninformed idols. They worshipped and they did life under the belief that, that um, deities such as Aphrodite or Athena or Poseidon or any a number of other Roman or Greek gods... Um, that that was the real thing. And so uh, it says as much of that in verse 2. They were led astray by idols. They were coming out of this belief system that was very different than what the church of Jesus Christ was teaching and practicing. And Paul wanted them to be, well, first of all, united in Christ. That's the, the theme of our, our, sermon, or our sermon series. That's what the, the theme, one of the main themes of 1 Corinthians is. And, and the natural river that flowed out of that unity was that they should be able to worship Christ properly and to show themselves to be followers of Christ, both to each other and to the whole city, to the whole world, to the city around them. And so today, what we're going to be doing is taking the first just 11 verses of chapter 12, and we'll, we'll use them as, as, the, as an introduction to the, the bigger topic of spiritual gifts. So, let's uh, strap on our tool belt and we'll dive right in. It's a mixing of metaphors, I know. Paul is clear, though, that he wants the church to be informed. He wants the church to know what they're doing and to be well-versed in the ways of the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit gives gifts. He knows that the church, as I've just said, has come from pagan backgrounds. And those pagan, uh, those, those cults, they had leaders. They had, they had people probably who teached, uh, who, to, who, sorry, taught. I need to be teached. They had people who taught. They had people who preached. And, and these cults had people who, who were, quote, unquote, prophets. All right? And these folks were, were familiar with, with that version of hearing the voice of, of a god. And so Paul wanted to make sure that, that the church, that the church want, did not confuse or somehow get mixed up in the ways of God and the Holy Spirit and how, how, they, how, it, how the God would be working in the church. In verse 3, Paul distinctly says that there is no way, absolutely no way, that the Holy Spirit would lead you to sin. To say something like, Jesus is cursed. There's no way that the Spirit of God would lead us to disunity. Instead, the only direction that God would lead the church in was to say by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is Lord. When people would say that, when people would say Jesus is Lord, they were quite clearly saying that their allegiance was not to a false god. And their allegiance was not to Caesars. 
It would be common, I think, probably uh, for, for the Corinthian people, the people who lived in the city of Corinth, to say Caesar is Lord because he was their emperor. He was their master. And when someone would become a Christian, their allegiance would change. And Christ Jesus would become their Lord and their master. No one would purposefully say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. What Paul is saying is that when this new group of Christ followers all were able to say Jesus is Lord, they were, they were meant to be uniting themselves under that one banner by the power of the Holy Spirit under the Lordship of Christ. And if Jesus was proclaimed to be the Lord of the whole church, then it follows that everything that the Spirit gave them was for the purpose of unite, being united under the Lordship of Christ. This is what Paul goes on to say in verses 4 to 7. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul was fixing their theology here. Some of them probably had this thought that, that they were spiritual because they felt that they had received maybe a, a more visible gift than others, uh, which somehow gave them more authority, at least in their own eyes, and power like they had seen in these pagan cults that they used to be part of. You know, it was common, I, I was reading that in, in pagan circles and pagan cults, uh, prophets, there would be people who would call themselves prophets, and that they would, you know, they would work themselves up into some ecstatic frenzy and, and start shouting the, the, the prophetic voice. Or they would, be, they would go into, you know, a, a trance-like state and start muttering something, and that was, that was prophecy in their mind. And, and these folks, these, these leaders, these prophets, would, would, by and large, think that they were, they were very spiritual because that's what they did. And people observing them would also, well, they would probably think the same thing. They're like, wow, that guy, he's really spiritual. But Paul counters this thought, though, by telling the church that there are a variety of gifts that people receive. There are varieties of service that people do and there are a variety of activities that people accomplish and that all of them, all of them come from God and that God activates them in, every, in everyone. You might notice that these verses are, are kind of like a, a, a trailhead that leads to the Trinity. These verses say the same Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, the same Lord, remember Jesus is Lord, and the same God, God the Father. It's important to remember that, yes, it says that the Spirit is the gift giver, but the Spirit is part of the Trinity, and, that, and the Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we all believe that God is three in one, and that all members of the Trinity are equal and work together in unity. And so there are a few things I want to point out to the, this little short passage here. Uh, the first is this, that every church 
every church has different people with different gifts. And a toolbox, a toolbox would, would not be very helpful in, in all the circumstances if all it had in it was hammers. If this was just full of hammers, it would not be very useful to tighten a screw. The scope of repairs and jobs that could be accomplished would be very limited. A toolbox needs a variety of tools to accomplish a wide variety of services and activities. And praise the Lord, he fills our toolbox with whatever tools he deems necessary. A variety of people, a variety of gifts, services and abilities and activities all given by the same Spirit. And it is God who activates all of them in everyone. What a beautiful picture of diversity while being united. The next point comes from this, the, the word in that verse, manifestation. Manifestation. What does that word mean? I did not know. And so I looked it up. And this is what it means. I found these definitions. And it says, uh, it means a public demonstration of power and purpose. Or an event an action or an object that clearly shows or embodies something. And so let's think that through here. We are given the manifestation of the Spirit. So what that means is we are given something that publicly demonstrates the power and purpose of the Spirit. We are given an activity or an action or an object or a tool that clearly shows or embodies the Holy Spirit. There's more to it than that, though. I think people, sometimes people, they could, they could and, and sometimes they do, stop reading right there, and they think that God has given them a gift or, or something uh, to, to simply use for their own profit or their own gain. You know, look at me. I am showing the power of the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to me. Well, let's read that verse again. Verse 7, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We've all been given something that demonstrates the power and purpose of the Holy Spirit. For what reason? The common good. To be profitable for all. If someone is using a spiritual gift that God has given them for selfish gain or to build themselves up and is not doing anyone else any good, they aren't using it properly. Anthony Thistleton speaks to this when he writes, Christ-likeness is the criterion of whether the Holy Spirit is actively at work in the Christian. Where the Spirit is active, Believers will confess Jesus as Lord and live out this lordship of Jesus in ways that lead to constructive building up of others, not to the destruction or competitive denigration. Peter reminds his readers of this in 1 Peter chapter 4 when he writes, Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift that you have received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. 
Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies, so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We've been given gifts to be Christ-like and to serve one another. If you have a gift and you are not serving others with it, you are using it wrongly. If you have a gift from the Spirit and it is not leading you to be like Christ, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> to go back to the toolbox analogy, if you are a hammer and you want to attend a church that you hear is already full of hammers, you might want to check yourself. Going to a church simply because there are others working with the same gifts there and that you want to, that, that you want to join them and, and that you go with an attitude of being promoted, um, it's, it's not really a good reason to join a church. Instead, stay put. If you look around the church and, you, and it doesn't have any hammers, well, then it probably needs one. So stay there and serve the church. Craig Blomberg writes this, In a land still heavily influenced by a heritage of rugged individualism, which I believe we subscribe to as a culture, believers need to work ever harder to demonstrate that Christianity is not merely a, a personal religion, but fundamentally corporate. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We're the body of Christ, and we work together to serve one another and to show God's power to others. This is not a lone wolf activity. To use your spiritual gift is not an individual act, but it's a corporate pursuit. And so, a toolbox needs to have a variety of individuals, <laughs> a variety of tools to be truly useful in all circumstances. There is a lot of hammers in here. Just a little guy. Yeah, I need some hammer pants. That's not very useful. <laughs> Next week, uh, Pastor Blair is going to go into more detail about the, the individual spiritual gifts that are listed here. Uh, but I will simply note that there are, there are spiritual gifts listed in, in this chapter, actually in two places in this chapter, um, as well as in Ephesians chapter 4 and Romans chapter 12. And Paul, I find it interesting, has slightly different lists in all three accounts, in all three letters, and I believe that um, maybe uh, an explanation to this is, is to simply point out that the Holy Spirit uh, gives the gifts wisely to the people, and I think more importantly, the church, who needs them. And this brings us to verse 11. 
where he concludes the list of gifts by saying, all these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. So we have, some, have, a, have a greater variety of gifts here. I hope I don't give a feedback here. Here, have a wrench, pliers, a T-square. You know, have, you, have you used vice grips before? Anyone, vice grips? Tape measure, screwdriver, right on. That's a full metric. That's a full metric tape measure, which is kind of hard to find. All right, so these are not giveaways. I'm sorry. (laughs) These are not door prizes. I I would like them back. (laughs) But different tools, different gifts are given to different people as the giver chooses. There's a variety of tools, and, 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 and the tools I handed out, that's definitely not all the tools in the world, right? There's, there's lots of tools out there, and I don't have them all, and it bugs me. No. <laughs> there's a, but it is a greater, a much greater variety than just a bunch of hammers that I had in the toolbox. Now, I handed out these tools to, to people just who happened to be sitting here, and we're close to the front. But the Spirit gives gifts according to his wisdom. And I'm so glad that God uses more than just, you know, random chance to give us gifts. I'm so glad that that God isn't, you know, closing his eyes and like, yeah, throwing a dart at a dartboard and that's his, his version of distribution. We can know that the spiritual gifts that are given to us as individuals are the ones that God has chosen for us. And God uses wisdom to hand out gifts. We can know that all of us have been given a gift by the Holy Spirit that is extremely useful to build up the body of Christ. God didn't miss anybody. God didn't skip someone. God created you. And he loves you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He welded you together. He knows you and he he has given each of you a specific gift, a specific tool that he knows will suit you. As Paul writes later on in chapter 12, in verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. And so we can know with certainty that God arranges us in a particular fashion. And he gives each one of us particular gifts Specific abilities so that, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, 
from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. And so all of us, all of us, have been given gifts, and we all have been activated by the one and the same Spirit. There's unity in that. There's unity in that, that we can all proclaim that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is our Master, which means that he has gifted us things to allow us to work together, diverse as we are, in building up the body of Christ. What this means for us is that, that we, won't, we won't all have the same tools. We won't have all the same gifts. And we, won't also, and we shouldn't all seek to have the same gifts. We won't all be the same, and that's okay. But we all work together for the common good. It also means that we should never be arrogant about the gifts that we have received. God is the great giver of gifts. And as James points out in his, in his letter in chapter 1, every generous act of giving with every perfect gift, it's from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God gives generous gifts. God gives each of us perfect gifts. And so the gift that God has given us, given you, should not be reason for us to be arrogant and proud because we received a gift and that that one, and we received this gift and, and not that one. Because it should be it, because it was given to us and it should be given to us with all the more reason to serve one another. Because that's what these gifts are for. And conversely, we should not be discouraged if we have received a gift that, that we, we feel somehow is, is not good. All right? Sometimes it feels like um, God has given us a, a gift that, that we, we figure isn't as important as someone else's gift. But God doesn't make mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes and he gives a perfect gift to the person whom he has chosen to give it to. And that gift that he has given you is the gift that he wants you to bless with and to build up the body of Christ with. And we should rejoice in the ability to have that gift so that we can serve other people with it. And I want to conclude with this thought. And a big question that we all, we all face at some times at points in our life is this. What is my spiritual gift? It's a big question. What tool has God given me? And, and there, there's a lot that can be said about this. All right, you, you go on the internet and you do a, a Google search on that and there, there is a, a lot of resources um, Good and bad, uh, but today because this is the introduction, I, I want to keep it. I want to keep this short, and I want to give you um, one. I feel one of the best ways to figure out what tool God has has given you, and this is going to be simple. 
All right. One of the best ways is to simply ask God for wisdom in knowing what it is. And again, in James, he writes that if anyone is lacking wisdom, he should ask. They should ask for it. Because God gives generously and ungrudgingly to those who ask for wisdom. And the way that God might give us wisdom as maybe some of you are aware, is not just simply like a, a download of wisdom, although that would be excellent, but he, what he gives, how he gives us wisdom sometimes is by experiences. He gives us opportunities. And it's by giving us those opportunities to serve the body of Christ that we can, we can start to figure out perhaps what gift God has given us. And so I would encourage you, get involved. If you don't know your spiritual gift, get involved so that, and then ask God to activate your gift, as it says. Now, there, there's definitely lots of volunteer opportunities here at the church, but that's, that's, that's not necessarily what I'm, what I'm saying, all right? I, I definitely will say, you know, there, there's, there's teachers that we could have, we could, we could use some more teachers in Kidsgate. Uh, we could we could use some more people working PowerPoint. Um, we we could always use you know just more people on on host teams. All sorts of things around the church, and those are all good things. And those things might be what God ha- has has gifted you to do really well. All right, you could be you could learn how to be super hospitable by being on the host team. Uh, you could you could figure out hey I am a teacher if you take a take the opportunity and teach in Kidsgate. But more generally, with a prayerful attitude, start serving people, just in general. Start praying that God would give you eyes to see what needs to be done. And then start serving your neighborhood. Start doing things for the common good. Start living your life like Christ Jesus and see what God brings to the forefront. We believe that the Spirit gives each of us a gift in great diversity. We believe that the Spirit does this to promote unity in the body of Christ. We believe that God is the one who activates these gifts so that we can build up the body of Christ and use them for the common good. We also believe that it is by the grace of Jesus Christ that we are brought into the body of Christ, the family of God. And and we celebrate and we remember that today as we do every Sunday by taking communion. And so as we take communion today, let's remember that God gives generous gifts to each of us. And he gives perfect gifts to each of us.